Welcome to Built to Go. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This is episode five, and this time we're going to talk about keeping clean while on the road. And for TikTok, I'm going to talk about peepholes. From the road, I have a story about a Montreal parking lot. We're going to review an ottoman bed and talk about an interesting place to visit called the City Museum in St. Louis. I'll also recommend a resource. We'll do a Q&A at the end and, you know, the same old thing at this point. So, let's go. Okay, keeping clean on the road. We talked about the more biological necessities of bathroom life. Now we're going to talk about the also necessary but less urgent issue of keeping clean on the road. Many people in their everyday lives take a shower every day. There's no rule that says this is required. In fact, it's a, it's a modern thing. It is not how people used to live. And in many, many parts of the world, it's not how they live now. But in Western culture, especially in the U.S., we have this idea, many of us do, that we have to have a shower every day. Well, guess what, folks? It's not true. I am definitely a shower-a-day person if I have my druthers, but I have been volunteering with disaster response lately. I've spent a lot of time sleeping in church basements and in trailers and in office building, you know, on the floor, all kinds of strange places. And often they don't have a shower. And I have learned from that and from being in the van that you can stay reasonably clean without having a shower every day. So let's talk about the different options you have. Uh, first option is, of course, you can have a shower every day in your van if you're willing to do what's necessary. So let's say you have a big van because, let's face it, you're going to need a big van if you want to have a full-time shower in there. Uh, Dodge Sprinter, long wheelbase, uh, Ford Transit, uh, uh, the big Promaster, the 3500, uh, with the high top, uh, probably. People do install permanent showers in those, and usually they're combined with the toilet. So it's a what's called a wet bath. And I personally would love to have one of these in my van. I just, my van is too small. And you, you hook these up much in the way that you do in an RV. You'll have a shower head in there and a faucet and a big water tank and usually a water heater of some sort, although that gets a little tricky. In an RV, the water heater is this large box that's at least the size of a milk crate, if not larger, and it vents to the outside, and there's this big door on the outside that screams, Hey, I'm an RV! And uh, people don't really like that for vans. So, how do they heat water for these showers? Well, there are a few different ways. One is an aqua hot, which takes the hot antifreeze from the engine and uses it to heat water. Uh, another, uh, there are these small propane hot water heaters that people mount to the back door. And the problem with them is they usually need to vent, so you have to actually open the back door in order to use them. Some of them will vent outside, but of course every time you cut a hole in the side of the van, you're advertising that you're a camper. But it can be done. However, it's very, very expensive, and it is not really necessary, and it, it certainly takes up a lot of space in the van. So let's talk about some other options. Um... First, before we get any further, it is possible to put a bathtub in your van, uh, or at least in a school bus. I've seen school buses with bathtubs. In vans, what I've seen people do is set up kiddie pools, inflatable kiddie pools, and then fill them with water. And you can heat water on the stove and have, a, have an old-fashioned kind of Wild West bath. The problem with that is, how do you drain the water? 
that's a lot of water you're going to use. Uh, so you're not only going to empty, you're going to use almost all your fresh water to begin with. You're going to have all this gray water you have to deal with afterwards. So, again, possible, but you have to deal with it. What most people are doing, from what I've seen, is what's called the wet wipe bath. And it's a sponge bath, and you use basically baby wipes. You wipe yourself off with baby wipes. And believe it or not, it's a fairly effective way to stay clean. Now, you can buy dude wipes and camping wipes, and there, you know, there's all these custom-made wipes for camping. But they're super expensive, and in my experience, the cheapo ones from Walmart or your grocery store work just as well. So, you do have that as an option. But you also have as an option the time-honored cleaning method that people have used forever, which is make a bowl of hot soapy water and use a washcloth. Now, the problem with that for van life is then you've got this wet washcloth to deal with and you have this soapy water you have to get rid of somehow, but that isn't that big of a burden. I have done this to clean up, and um, I, I clean the, the, uh, the washcloth and hang it on my drying rack on the back, and the water I either empty into my gray water tank or outside if the conditions are appropriate. Now, anytime you empty water outside, you have to be considerate and think about things. Um, bath water is not the most toxic thing in the world. I try to use soaps that are biodegradable just because I think that's the best idea for this application. So Dr. Bronner's The Crazy Soap with all the weird religious writing on it um, is a very nice Castile soap that does a very good job. It's flexible. You can use it as shampoo. You can even use it as toothpaste, believe it or not. Uh, and it does also biodegradable. However, any kind of gray water can cause a problem in certain environments. So think about it. You know, if you're by a storm drain, your gray water probably can go down there without too much trouble. But sometimes those storm drains just lead into a river. And dumping soapy water into a river, even if it's biodegradable, isn't always the best idea. So give it some thought before you do this. Now, um, there are some other cool things that people have come up with. One easy way to wash your hair that people have figured out is to get a spray bottle and mix a little shampoo in there and then spray that on your hair. And that gives you enough lather to kind of wash your hair without using too much water. And then you can rinse actually with another spray bottle that's just water. It takes a little bit of time and effort and it's messy. It's best done outside. But in the summer, that's not a problem. Or you can get a thing that's called an Aquabot which is a pressurized water bottle that um, will actually spray your hair off with force. You can use it for your whole body if you want. Or what a lot of people are doing, and it's actually less money, is to get a weed sprayer. This is a, a thing you'd get at Home Depot or, or Lowe's or Amazon that is used to spray chemicals or fertilizer on weeds, but can also just spray water. And you can generate a lot of pressure with those. In fact, it can be your entire water system in your whole van if you want. It holds a couple gallons of water, you pump it up with the handle, and then you've got pressurized water there. So that's another good way. Uh, one thing I like to do is I like to have a bottle of spray isopropyl. Um, so just 70% isopropyl alcohol, and this might be a little weird, but every night when I go to bed, I spray it on my feet. <laughs> I know that seems strange, 
but it helps. It's part of my nightly ritual. It helps me get ready for bed. It, it's nice, a cooling effect in the summer that I really appreciate, especially if it's a little warm in the van. And it's a little bit of a cleanliness thing too. So uh, I like having the spray alcohol for a number of purposes in the van. Here's another thing that's a really cool idea that I haven't tried yet, but I, it's on my list of things to try. They sell these battery-powered showers with pumps. So imagine this. It's a, it's a shower handle like you'd find you know, in, in any shower, and it has a hose, and you follow the hose down, and it ends up in this ball. And that ball is actually a water pump. And the idea is that you just take this, put the ball part in a bucket of water, and turn it on, and it will pump the water out, and you have the simplest, easiest shower in the world. And the really cool thing about this is that you can use it for hot water. So let's say you want to wash your hair, and it's not really nice out, so you want to use warm water. Well, you heat some water on the stove, dump it into a bucket, and then make the temperature the way you want it, and then you use this battery-powered shower, and you can have a very nice experience washing your hair with this thing. Some of them... Um, will run off your leisure battery, so there's like a 12-volt um, cigarette lighter plug. Others are rechargeable. I think I would go for the rechargeable one simply because it's fewer wires. But they would both work, and I think it's a great idea. It gives you a lot of flexibility in how you take your shower. You could do it in the van. You could do it outside the van. You could do it, um, heck, you could even do it in a restroom that had a sink. Uh, or, you know, it doesn't matter. You could do it anywhere. So... I think that's a good thing to look at. I'll put some links in the show notes for some of these things. But uh, the bottom line is you can keep clean even in the simplest van, even if you don't have any water. It is possible. However, if you're going to do the baby wipe thing, after maybe a week or so, you might actually want to take a real shower. So, So what do people do? Well, some people will stay in a campground once a week and use their showers. Some people will just pull up to a campground and say, hey, can we use your shower? And sometimes there's a fee, sometimes there isn't. Others get a gym club membership, which is an interesting idea. Planet Fitness is the one that comes up all the time. They have a deal that for 10 bucks a month, and there's caveats on that. You have to pay a startup fee and, and stuff. But for basically 10 bucks a month, you can use any of their facilities in the country and you can have a shower anytime you want at these places. You don't have to go work out. You can go in and just use the shower and the free Wi-Fi. And they're open 24 hours, and guess what? You can park in their parking lots, and typically no one's going to bug you. So that is actually a really good idea, especially for the full-time folks. You also have the option of truck stops, which uh, the bigger truck stops loves, Pilot, Travel America, all those places have showers for truckers. So um, what... I'm a little sensitive. I, I used to drive a truck, uh, not an over-the-road truck, but a, a, I was a I drove a straight job. They call it as a delivery driver, but it's still a big truck, and I I have some sympathy for truck drivers, so I don't want to encroach on their space. So if it's a very busy day at the truck stop and there's a long wait for the showers, I wouldn't do it. I'd kind of go at a strange hour or when there's showers already open because those guys have a rough life. They have very limited time in which they can do things, and if they have to wait for a shower, that's that's eaten up. You're basically eating up some of their money, and and that's not cool. So those are some of the many ways you can keep clean on the road. Just know that it is possible, it is doable, and uh, as long as you pay attention to your hygiene, you don't have to worry about smelling like, you know, you're living on the street. It's really not that hard. Tech Talk. Let's talk about peepholes. (laughs) 
Now, so far as I know, I'm the only person that's ever done this. I'm sure someone else has done it, but I've never seen an example of this. So if you have a van like mine without windows, you're often back there and you hear noises at night. You don't know what they are and you want to find out. But the only way I can do that is to open a door or I can crawl up to the front seat. But these things are kind of obvious that if there is somebody out there uh, and I don't want them to know that I'm there, I've got this problem that I have to expose myself to figure out what's going on. So I thought, well, how can I watch what's outside from inside the van? And I know a lot of people have installed video cameras and such, which is certainly an option, but it's expensive. That's a lot of wires, uh, uses battery power. Again, I have a small van. I don't have all that much space for putting things like that in. So I thought, well, what else can I do? Well, I could install windows. That's an obvious one, but there are reasons why I don't want windows. And then I thought, well, what do we do in houses? And the old fashioned way was to put in a peephole. So by a peephole, I mean, if you find these, especially in hotels, it's just that little hole in the door that you can hold your eye up to and look out and see what's out there. And it's usually a fisheye view. So you get a view, you know, even though you've only got this little hole, you can see like the whole side of the van. And so I did. I went to Home Depot and bought a couple of these things and put them in the van. I have one that faces out the back and one that faces out the passenger side. Because of the way my cabinets are installed, I can't find a way to put one on the driver's side. So I still have a blind spot there. But if there's somebody standing next to the van, I can totally see them through these peepholes, and they don't know that I'm looking at them. Now, some people have asked, well, what about light getting through and all that stuff? It isn't really a problem. And um, yes, you have to drill a hole in the side of your van, but they. Uh, I bought what I did was I bought a couple of rubber uh, O-rings and put them on either end, and I haven't had any problem with water coming in or not. So they work. There is one drawback to them, though. Because they're fisheye lenses, you can see things that are close really well, but you can't see things that are far away. So if somebody's like five parking spaces away, you're going to have a hard time making out their features. However, it's a fairly inexpensive option. I think it cost me $12 total to put these in, it gives me a little bit peace of mind that if I hear noises, I can look out and I can at least see that there's nobody right next to the van, which is a comfort. And I don't think it's a bad idea. I definitely think it's something you should consider in your build if you want a way to look out without having to go crazy with electronics. Tales from the road. All right. Now, speaking of uh, peepholes, one of the places where I used it was in Montreal. So it was in Montreal this summer and found a great place to park. If you're ever in Montreal, there is a public parking lot right on the St. Lawrence Seaway in basically the southwest part of the city. It is free. You can park there overnight. It's legal, and you get a nice view of the river right there. It's, it's, it, it's, it's one of those nice, super, like, wow, I can't believe I found this place kind of places. However, <laughs> I parked there on a Saturday night. And I didn't think that was going to be a problem, and I went to bed at like 11, and everything was cool. And then at 2 a.m., I started hearing all these sounds outside. And they got louder and louder, and there were cars moving around and flashing lights. And I was like, holy cow, what's going on? Well, it was a party. They had a parking lot party. Uh, I guess tailgating. I don't know if that's the word they use up in Quebec. In that parking lot at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, Sunday morning. And, you know, I wasn't happy about this. I'm trying to sleep. 
But here's the problem. When you're in a van, what are you going to do? Hey, you know, open the door and yell out, hey, keep it down out there. Well, why should they? They're just in a parking lot. They don't expect that people are sleeping here. It's, it's not a hotel. You do not have a right to quiet when you're sleeping in a parking lot. So all you can do is tough it out or move. Those are your two options. And in this case, I decided that I would tough it out. And sure enough, after you know an hour and a half or two hours of this, they moved on and I was able to sleep and it was fine. But it was a, it was a good lesson to me to help me reflect upon my place in the universe here as I'm in my van. I don't actually have any rights to the world outside my van like I would if I were in a house. If people in the next home over were making a ton of noise at 3 o'clock in the morning, I could actually go knock on their door and ask them to keep it down. Or if it was severe, I could call the cops. You really can't do that if you're sleeping in a parking lot. So, just something to think about. Um, If you are ever up in Montreal, that is a great parking lot. Check the apps for it, and uh, you will see it there. Just keep in mind that it's not your parking lot, and you can't control what goes on there. Okay, product review. Uh, This is going to be a general product review. I'm not going to talk about a specific product, but when I built my van, I knew I was no good as a carpenter. And I looked at building a bed, and I think I would have screwed it up if I'd tried. So instead, what I did was I bought an ottoman. And if you're not familiar with that term, it is basically a footstool, a big footstool, like you would find in a living room next to a chair, that folds out into a bed. I'll put a link in uh, the show notes so you can see the one I have. There are many, many others. And the idea with this is that when it's folded up, it's just a footstool or an ottoman, and when you unfold it, well, it's a bed. And my thought was, wow, wouldn't this be great in a van? Because folded up, it serves as your seat, it's your chair, and then unfolded, it's your bed. And it has this really cool advantage that you can completely remove it. So if you want to use your van for moving some pipes or something big, or you're helping somebody move and they want to use your van and you you want more space for cargo, this comes out. All that said, I think it's a great solution, but I'm going to throw in some um, caveats here. I have slept on this thing for weeks, and being a man of uh, some considerable size, I weigh, I I weigh about 240, 250 pounds. I'm not a small man. It is not necessarily comfortable sleeping on this thing. The way it works is it has three sections that fold out of the center, and each one has a memory foam pad on it. And what I find is that parts of my body will slip between the mattresses and then hit the hard bar. Uh, It is not terribly comfortable. I have another pad, another foam pad that I have that sits on top of that, and I lay that down on the whole thing, and that helps a lot. But it's annoying to have to have two different things. Also... The way my ottoman opens is very awkward in the van. So the ottoman sits at the back, and when I want to turn it into a bed, I slide it forward and put it in the middle of the van, and then a part opens up like a uh, like a chest, like a chest lid, and then the insides fold out, one to the back and then one to the front, and then the middle folds down in the, in the middle. Uh, the, the first section I lifted up folds back down in the middle. But that's a really awkward place to be in a tiny van. I, I have to kind of do gymnastics to get out of the way of it. 
Yes, it's easier to set up if I can open the van door and stand outside and do it, but I honestly, I usually forget to do it. Um, and my nights aren't like that. I mean, ideally, what you would do is go one place, open the doors, set up the bed, close the doors, drive to your sleeping spot, and then just crawl in back and go to sleep. But I like to wind down a bit. I like to stop fairly early and then just sit back there and you know, play some games, watch some TV, repair things that have inevitably broken, cook dinner, all that. And I want to do all those things on the chair, not the bed. And then I start to get sleepy, and I have to go through this big rigmarole of setting up the bed, and often that wakes me back up, and then I have trouble going back to sleep. So this is a solution. It does work, but there are definitely times I wish I had a different style of bed back there, and I don't think there is an off-the-shelf solution for what I want because of my limited space, uh, I think that I'm going to have to try to build something. And that scares me, because again, I'm not really very good at it. However, if you're looking to build a van, consider getting something that is pre-made that beds fold out of. Uh, there are other ways to do this, and it's an interesting thing. It does have some advantages, so keep it in mind. All right, let's talk about a place to visit. This place really has nothing to do with vans, but if you travel, you should go here. It's in St. Louis, and it has the absolutely boring name of the City Museum. Now, this is only loosely a museum. It is so hard to describe this place and what it is. I'm asking you to trust me, and if you're ever near St. Louis, just go there. I will now try to explain it to some extent, but it won't work. It is a warehouse uh, formerly owned by the Buster Brown Company, their shoe company. The gentleman who built this place used found objects and an incredible amount of creativity and made this amazing wonderland of different spaces. And there are things in here like underground caverns and habit trails for humans and tree houses. And I, I, it's just, it's so hard to explain. And then on the roof, there is a little, kind of like an amusement park. Um, there's also a school bus that hangs off the side of the side of the building. And you can climb up in the school bus and open the door and look out 10 stories. Or, and this sounds insane, you can crawl through a spiral tube onto the wing of an airplane that is suspended, out the other side onto a fire engine, down the ladder, and then into a treehouse and jump into a ball pit. It's an insane place. I love it, and it is not just for kids. Of course, kids have a great, great time there, but uh, it is for adults. Also, <laughs> it's kind of dangerous. I hurt myself there. It'd be very, very easy to hurt yourself there. So uh, don't take little kids there, really. And consider bring, bringing knee pads if you go, because you will be spending time on your knees crawling around. One of the other things they have is, uh, it's called, well, they have a few of these. There's a few, but there's this thing called a 10-story slide. So when they were making shoes there, one of the most efficient ways to get shoes down to the bottom floor was to drop them down this slide, and it's this big spiral slide. And, well, they converted it to human use. So you can actually go to the top of the building and do this spiral slide all the way to the bottom of the building, and then you end up in the caverns. And you, you might be thinking, well, what is he talking about caverns? They're caverns. Anyway, go. Just go. You're better off just going and not learning any more about this place. Pay the money. 
pay the extra money to go on the roof. Pay all the money that you can. If there's something to buy a ticket for, buy it. The only part that I'm disappointed in there is the aquarium. That's kind of a separate part. Eh, you don't need to do that. You can skip the aquarium. But the rest of it, you absolutely must do. Again, that's the City Museum in St. Louis, Missouri. I will have a link in the show notes. Okay, Q&A time. A good friend of mine by the name of Steve from Utah. Uh, Steve is a writer and advertising exec and a very, very smart man. Asked me about, hey, how about dealing with breakdowns in the middle of nowhere? Steve knows that I like to spend time in the middle of nowhere. Uh, One of my favorite places in the country is rural Nevada. And being from Utah, he's not all that far from severe ruralness himself. So yeah, that's a good concern. So I thought about this because I knew I was going to be doing these long road trips. What am I going to do? I'm traveling by myself. I have some mechanical knowledge, but you know, certainly not enough to repair a blown head gasket on the side of the road. What am I going to do? So I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. The first thing I did was I got a AAA account. Yeah, no, it, it, I have mixed feelings about AAA, and I actually got the Plus account too. I got the higher level one, but I decided that for about ten bucks a month, that would give me the security I needed to know that no matter what, there was somebody I could call who was going to come get me out of my current situation. Well, within reason, no matter what. Now you could say, okay, that's great, but if you're in rural Nevada, how do you call somebody? Yeah, that's a problem. There's no doubt. Um, I realized that some of the places I was going, I could potentially have a car breakdown and be stuck there for days. And then I thought, well, where better to be stuck? I mean, I'm in my camper van. I've got water. I've got food. I've got entertainment. I've got everything I need. So I realized that I'm actually in pretty good shape for being broken down. It's not like just being broken down in your car. I'm going to be able to survive for days until somebody finds me or I find them. I went to Aurora, Nevada, which is a ghost town, and absolutely it could have been days before somebody found me if I'd broken down out there. But in reality, even on these the most rural Nevada road, but somebody's going to come by. And in those situations, what I've noticed is that people stop more often. If you break down on the interstate in New York, eh, it might take a while for someone to stop. But if you're in a rural part of the country, people know that you need help more often. In fact, I saw someone broken down near Death Valley, and I didn't even think about it. I just instinctively pulled over to make sure they were okay, because it was 120 degrees out, and they had little kids. Yeah, everybody's going to stop in that situation. So, this is not without risk, but uh, what are you going to do if your house burns down? You are risking stuff all the time, and this is just another one. So I handle it by thinking about the risks, mitigating them as I can, and having at least a loose plan for if everything goes bad. If you're a fearful, anxiety-ridden person, which I can be from time to time, van life is either going to get you out of that bubble or it's not going to be for you. And this is just another example of that. So thank you, Steve, for the question, and I hope that neither of us ever breaks down and has to put it to the test. All right, let's talk about a resource uh, that you can use, and this is kind of a cool thing. Uh, When you're doing these long road trips, you care about the weather, but the way weather apps are set up and weather forecasts on the radio is they tell you the weather for a specific place, but if you're traveling, you're not in a specific place. So... 
let's say you're in St. Louis and you're driving to Atlanta. Well, if you get the weather now for Atlanta, that's not going to tell you much. You need, like, you have to do the math of, like, okay, it's going to take me five or six hours to get to Atlanta. What's the weather going to be like then? And then how do I get the weather just for it? It's complex. So enter an app, because this is actually a math problem. And there's an app called Highway Weather, which is the <laughs> simplest name ever. Highway Weather will combine your GPS routing with weather. So it will figure out your route, and then it will tell you, hey, you're going to be here at 4 p.m., and at 4 p.m. here, there are thunderstorms. It's 10 a.m. now, there's no thunderstorms, everything's cool now. But at 4 p.m., there's going to be thunderstorms. Now, I don't actually use this app full-time. Like, I don't use it as my GPS. But I do look at it when I'm starting one of these long trips to see... It, mostly, it's for winter weather. That's what I care about most often. Is there a big snowstorm coming on my route? Because that I want to know about. I will drive around that. So, weather app, uh, highway weather app, it is available in your app store. It should be on Google or Android. Uh, and if you can't find that one, kind of search those terms and see if there's another one. This app works fine, but I'm sure there are others out there that do the same thing or, or something similar. Well, thank you for listening to this episode number five. All the music in the episode is from Simon Wag, a.k.a. Sir Mouge. I really do appreciate you listening. If you've listened to a couple of episodes and you think this is something of value, please take a moment to rate the episodes or subscribe or click whatever buttons you feel like clicking. Any questions or anything, you can always get a hold of me at builttogo.com and there's social media links on there and email and all that stuff and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. So, until next time, be good, have good times, and I will talk with you soon.